Thank you so much for making this a part of your day. So we are in week two of Hymn Theology, and today we're going to look at a question, what does Christian unity look like? Uh, And to answer that question, we are going to take a look at the hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. I know this hymn is a favorite for many. For me, I've always enjoyed singing it. Uh, I'm not a good singer, so it's always been difficult for me to sing, but still, it's a great hymn. So just a little background about the song, it was, or the hymn, it was supposedly written in 1782 by a pastor, uh, John Fawcett, F-A-W-C-E-T-T, I believe he was in England, and he was, uh, was going to move away. He was going to move away from his congregation. He was going to go to a new congregation, a bigger congregation. And so he wrote this hymn, and as he was writing this hymn and getting ready to move, he realized that, no, I'm going to stay here. And so he stayed there. Him and his wife decided to stay, uh, stay where they were because of the, the community that they had there and how important the community was for them. So I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's the story. Uh, and then apparently he stayed at that congregation. He was there for 54 years before he retired. So uh, the melody was arranged by um, Johann George Nageli and Lowell Mason in uh, uh, 1845. So uh, very old song, very old hymn. Um, the blessed be the tie that binds. Uh, blessed B L E S T. Uh, whenever I type it, I get a red line underneath it, which says that's not even a word. It's supposed to be blessed B L E S S E D, right? Nowadays, but uh, the song is so old that there's a grammatical error in the title. But I'm sure that uh, no one really cares about that. Okay, so the the thesis of the song is that God binds us together right? Blessed be the tie that binds and that God binds us together. God binds believers together. So we can find all kinds of scriptures to back this up, but I choose to go to John 17 verses 22 to 23, where Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So for Jesus, our unity, us being bound together, points us, points others to Jesus. So there's a a very important reason why we are bound together as the body of Christ, as the people of God, as a community of faith, and that is that we point others to Jesus. And so uh, our our unity is is of the utmost importance uh, in the kingdom and for the sake of the kingdom. And so um, Colossians 3.14 And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so it is love that binds us together. And as I said a couple, like I said, it's been a couple months now that we as Christians are bound together like a, like a book. And, and we are, there's a binding that holds us all together and together we create, we, we make up the story of God. And so together our, this book it's incomplete if a page is missing. It's incomplete if a chapter is missing. And so we are all called to be together, to be bound together, uh, to be the kingdom, to be to work for the kingdom, uh, and to be there for one another. So we are bound together. And then Romans 12, verse 4 and 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is pretty radical. So it's not just that we're bound together. This says we belong to each other. We are part of one another. 
You are a part of my story, and I am a part of your story, and we belong to one another. We belong together. And so what does this look like? What does it look like to be bound together? What does this look like to belong to each other? So we will use the the lyrics from this hymn to kind of answer that question and take a deeper look at that question. Okay, so we look at the first verse. The first verse of blessed be the tie that binds. It says, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. And it also goes on to say, the unity of heart and mind is like, like to that above. So blessed be the tie that binds our heart in Christian love. The first thing that, that I find interesting is it says, this is what binds us together, Christian love. But look at the things that doesn't say binds us together. Well, I mean, the things that we think in life bind us together. You know, friendship. You know, why do you choose the friends that you have? Why do you choose to become a friend with someone? Well, you might have a common interest with somebody. You might like to go play golf with somebody or do fantasy football with somebody or music or sewing or cooking or gardening or winemaking or whatever it may be. You might work with someone and you just get along with them. You know, and so you said, yeah, that person's going to be my friend. Or you might have a common political belief. You know, we all like to be around people who agree with us. I mean, that's it's a comfortable space to be around people who agree with. So people who say, "Yeah, you're right about that," and you say, "Yeah, you're right about that," and I mean, it's nice to it's nice to hear that. Sometimes we choose friends because we enjoy their company. They're fun to be around, right? I remember when Michelle and I went our went on our honeymoon ten years ago. Uh, actually, ten years ago this week. How about that? Uh, we were in Cancun on our honeymoon, and the first day we met a couple who was, they were in their 60s, and we just had started a conversation with them, you know, okay, oh, where are you from? And we hung around these people all week. They were just fun to be around. And so, you know, we just hang around people because they're fun to be around, or people who have common values. Maybe we ha- we choose to hang around people because we have common vi- common values. Maybe Maybe they're generous and we, you know, we're generous and so we like to be around generous people or helpful or empathetic. So, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, all these reasons, why, why do we choose the friends that we choose? Well, you know, and friendship binds us together in one way. We are bound to our friends, but there's another level, okay? Uh, and so what are some other things that binds us together? Well, nationality, right? We're bound together as Americans. Uh, uh, and so, but... Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. And so, again, we can be bound together as Americans, but there's something, there's a higher calling, a higher thing that binds us together. Our family, even our family, we're bound together with our family. Our brothers and sisters, whatever, you know, our cousins, we're bound to our family. We have common heritage. We have a long history. We have family love with one another. We have common stories. Remember that time at Christmas, so-and-so, uh, and that's one type, you know, we can be bound together through friendship. We can be bound together through uh, where we live, the country we live in. We can be bound together by our family, but but Christian love is above that. Because the kingdom of God, you know, God, family, country, you know, God comes first. And so we are bound together by Christian love. So what is Christian love? Take a minute and just talk about Christian love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So first and foremost, we need to realize that love comes from God and is a gift. So love is a gift, and it is the greatest of all the gifts, according to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the greatest of all the gifts. And so God has given us this love 
given us this ability to love one another and calls us to do it, calls us to do it, calls us to love. And so, so then we say, well, what does this love look like? So we go first John 316, first John 316, not the other John 316. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The truth is love is learned. Love is learned. All love is learned. Now, you can say that we start with a feeling, right? But showing love is something in life that we learn. And so, you know, teaching a four-year-old how to, how to show love, right? That's something that you have to teach somebody. You have to teach somebody what it, what it means to love someone and, and you know, how, what it is to share with someone and what it is to be kind. Uh, you know, some of that comes naturally, but a lot of that is learned. And so as Christian love then is learned, it's patterned from the example of Jesus, the, 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 the song goes on to say that it, um, the unity of heart and mind is like to that above. And so what we're trying to do is to love one another just like love is shared in heaven. And we learn how to do that by looking at the example that Jesus left for us. And then John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So love is a gift that God has given us. It is something that Jesus has taught us how to do. And then he says, it is the way in which the world will know that you are my disciple. It is the work of discipleship, loving one another. I mean, I don't know what we think the work of discipleship is, but it always starts with loving one another. Always starts with loving one another. Uh, So that is verse one. We are united, bound together in Christian love. Uh, and loving one another is a gift. It's what Jesus has taught us to do. And then it is how we live out our lives as disciples. Okay, then verse two, the second verse. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. So uh, Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to realize how big of a deal this is, that we are invited to have direct communication with God through prayer. Pray. You are invited to direct pray directly to to God. You don't need to uh, you don't need to go to the temple, you don't need to find a priest and say, "Will you pray for me?" because only the priest has access to God. No, you can pray yourself. This is a big deal. The, up until this point, up until Jesus came, there was no direct connection between humanity and God. You had to go to the temple and you had to find a priest and you know, you you couldn't talk to God on your own. That's what the thought was. Well, that's silly. Of course you could always talk to God on your own. You can talk to God anytime. And the gift of prayer is peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. The more we pray, the more peace we have. The more we pray, the more peace we have. So we, before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, knowing that prayer gives us peace. But not just for us. We don't just pray for ourselves. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Pray pray for each other. This, the, the idea is when you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you say, I'm going to talk to God for you. I'm going to talk to God on your behalf. 
I'm going to pray for you. I mean, that's a unique relationship, isn't it? To say, you know, I'm going to, the things you're going through have moved me to the point where I'm going to talk to God for you. And so we pray for one another. And it's important that we pray for one another. It's important that we pray for all kinds of things, things that affect us and things that don't have a direct impact on us. But still, we pray. We pray because through prayer, we love one another. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Not only do we pray for one another, we pray with one another. We pray with one another. If you're going to write anything down, write this down. Prayer strengthens our bond. Blessed be the tie that binds. Well, prayer strengthens our bond. Uh, It reminds us that we have similar concerns and fears uh, when we pray. When we pray as a church, it, it helps us have the same vision. Maybe not the exact same vision, but close enough because, you know, we're, we pray that we'd be open to God's guidance. And, and as we pray, we remember that we have the same hope, the same hope. And, you know, if, if we all have the same hope, if we all are going the same place, if we all believe we're going in the same place, well, you know, that helps us go along. That goes a long way in helping us get along in this life, right? Uh, and so prayer, the power of prayer and the importance of prayer, uh, that is the second verse. So then the third verse, we share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. So uh, carry each other's burdens. or We share our mutual woes and mutual burdens bear. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. No one is ever alone. The Holy Spirit is always with them. But sometimes life can be lonely, and sometimes we can feel alone, and sometimes we feel the most alone when we're going through the most difficult times. And we need people who will carry our burdens, who will be with us through those difficult times. Um, The truth is, every one of us, everyone out there who's watching this today, uh, everyone out there on Facebook who saw this and just passed right over it, is carrying around something. They are carrying around a burden that they haven't been able to put down, that no one's able to take away from them. And we all need some help from time to time. It helps to have someone who will help us with our burdens. It, 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 and, and so it, as the people of God, we're called to be there for others. And sometimes all that means is that we listen without trying to fix a problem. Sometimes it means we help. Sometimes it means we offer money or time or whatever, we do whatever we can to help. And sometimes our burdens are bigger, and that's why we have Stephen ministers and, and pastors and people available, because you know we all have burdens. We're all carrying around stuff, and it's helpful to have somebody who will shoulder that burden with us, who will help us carry that burden. Um, then it says we uh, sh- flows the sympathizing tear, Ro- Romans twelve fifteen. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. There is power in laughing together, and there is power in crying together. There is power in being vulnerable with another. Sharing your feelings with someone is sharing a piece of yourself. And so it's okay to cry together. It's okay to laugh together. Because when we do that, we open up ourselves to one another. And that's important. And that's one of the things that has been so hard about quarantine is that we haven't been able to do that with one another. 
We haven't been able to cry together. And there's been times when we've needed to cry together. We haven't been able to laugh together. We haven't been able to be angry and sad together. We haven't, we haven't been able to be together and be joyful together. Uh, and so it's these things that we do together where we share our feelings with one another, where we have these feelings where we all look around and we all have the same feelings. You know, it's so important to have those moments. It's important to be together. It's important to be together. Very, very important. Okay, so we'll go to the final verse, the fourth verse. From sorrow, toil, and pain, and sin we shall be free, and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. So this is kind of a a vision of a heavenly unity, but it's a sudden shift in direction in the hymn. I think what happened probably was there's probably like six verses to the original hymn, and whoever was putting together the hymnal decided to take out like verse four and five, and then make this, you know, verse six, make it verse four, because it's kind of a sudden change in direction. Like, yeah, we're going to pray with one another, we're going to be there for one another, uh, and then, you know, when we die, you know, there's like no transition there, and so I wonder if there was a transition in one of the other verses, but the reality of is that though we are bound together today, though we are bound together today, we will all part from one another at some point. Everyone is going to leave at some point. Everyone's going to either move away or they're going to go to heaven or, you know, everyone is going to leave. Everyone we ever encounter in life, either we leave them or they leave us. It's a sad reality of life. And it's the pain that we feel when we lose somebody is the cost of love. So this is... Paul and the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, verses 36 to 38. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. They would never see him again. I mean, that's bad news, especially if you love somebody, right? You know, if... if you find your community, you find your people, you're where you want to be. And then all of a sudden you have to move. And you're like, well, I don't want to move. This is where I want to be. These are the people I want to be around. But, but you have to leave, right? That's, you know, we, we have to part. Depart, and de- departing can be painful. I mean, death is always painful, but moving, moving can be very painful. I, no, one, no one told me in seminary how hard it was going to be when people moved away. I mean, they, they prepared me for doing funerals, but but when people who are on church council, people I get to know really well, people who are actively, and then all of a sudden they get transferred. And it's like, wait, you can't leave. You can't leave. You know, I mean, it, it's hard. It's the small griefs of life, right? The, when, when people move away, it's, you know, you're, you're happy for them and their new opportunities and all that stuff. But you're like, man, you were part of the community here and, and our community is not going to be the same without you. you know, we belong together. You're part of my life and my life's not going to be the same without you right? That goes back to the beginning. So, but we are comforted by a wonderful hope, a hope that keeps our hearts joined together, even though we may be separated. So first Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So those who are gone are with Jesus. He says that John 14, I prepared a house for them, a place for them. And that's comforting to know where they are. And it's comforting to know that that's where we're going to. And so they haven't truly left. They've just gone somewhere else. And we're going to be there soon, right? We're, you know, some, right? We're going to be there eventually. And so 
um, we are grateful for that hope, knowing that there will be reunions. Everyone who has ever left us in our life, we will be reunited with. Uh, and so there's hope there. And then First Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So this perfect love and friendship that we have throughout all eternity, according to the song, is going to be pretty great, and it's going to have no end. It's going to have no end. And so throughout life, everyone we ever come in contact with is going to leave us, or we're going to leave them. We're all going to be reunited in heaven, and there will be no more leaving. There will be no more of that grief. There will be no more of that sadness of of having someone you love leave you, whether it be moving away or dying. And so um, we are all bound together. We are all bound together uh, here on earth, and we will all be bound together in heaven. And even those in heaven right now, we are still bound to them because we are all still part of the body of Christ, the communion of saints, the church triumphant. So um, there is good news there, but it is still still difficult to say goodbye. Uh, but it is great to know that uh, we are bound together by the love of God, and that love of God is more powerful than anything in this world. And so thank God for that. So we will stop for there today. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Uh, take good care of yourselves, and uh, we'll close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the community on earth which you have created for your kingdom here and for those who we meet along the way. We are grateful for the the Christian love that we share with one another, and we pray that you would help us uh, through our unity and through your love uh, to proclaim your kingdom and to show others a uh, a better way to live, the way the way to live that you would have us live. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, everyone, have a great day. See you soon. God bless each and every one of you.